Welcome to the Money Rules Podcast, where we tackle your personal financial matters with leading financial advisors. Your host, we do Melon Living abroad can be an exciting adventure, but it also brings unique challenges, especially when it comes to managing your finances in a foreign country. In this episode, we're joined by Roseanne Haystek-Bothieter, who is a certified financial planner at Brentist Wealth. She'll be sharing her expert advice on how to navigate foreign taxes, currency exchange, as well as looking at other financial considerations experts need to factor in to make the most of their international journey. Welcome, Roseanne. Thank you. Good morning. Can you please provide us with an overview of the key financial considerations that experts should keep in mind when moving abroad? Well, firstly, what needs to be addressed is that there needs to be a bit of a disclaimer attached to any discussions around immigration, um, the tax queries that come with that, and tips on what to keep in mind. Because, first of all, there's no one-size-fit-all approach here. Immigration looks very different depending on how, what, and where. If you're moving to Europe versus the Middle East or Australia or the US or the UK, I think you should think of what type of visa are you moving with? Do you already have a passport for a different country? Did you win a green card lottery? Or do you have a new employer that is sponsoring your visa? So with that said, the main financial considerations can be essentially grouped into two different spheres. So with keeping the new location where you're heading to or where you possibly have already moved to, you need to look at visa costs, uh, visa application fees. There needs to be proof of a certain amount of funds available for a family. Certain qualifications need to be verified during that process. And language proficiency tests need to be done. And there needs to be proof of funds that you can actually move. So that's you know, there's a lot of different costs that come with the move. Um, the actual moving process of you know paying for a container to be filled with all your possessions can cost anywhere between 150,000 to 200,000 rand. Depends on if you're sharing a, a container or not. And then there could be some transitionary accommodation costs that once you've arrived in a different country. You might not have access to your furniture yet. You might not have a rental in place or you haven't purchased a property yet. You might have to stay in, in, in some other form of accommodation. And that obviously comes with a cost implication. And then also the actual flights of heading out to, let's say, if you're heading to Australia and there's, you're a family of four, the actual cost of those flights is a huge consideration. So also um, further on, you need to look at the cost of living in the new country. Um, how is your new salary going to be taxed? How? What's the banking setup once you arrive? Will you still be depending on funds coming from South Africa? Um, how will you be taxed in the new country? What are the new marginal tax rates? Is there a healthcare levy that's deducted? And how livable actually the salary really will be? And um, so, moving back a bit more to South Africa from a South African perspective, you need to remember how you're going to be taxed from a South African side. Uh, even once you make that move, you need to know about the cessation of taxation process, how that works, when it needs to be initiated, and also looking at your retirement savings that you that might remain in South Africa, how that keep how will that be managed? Do you have a financial advisor who will be looking after that? Other assets that remain in South Africa, like immovables and, you know, Going back to the retirement savings, you might only be able to access that within three years after moving out of the country. And there's a lot of things to consider. So we could carry on for quite some while. And 
you also think of banking structures and what needs to remain in place in South Africa once you've moved. You've touched a bit on tax. Could you maybe just give us some of the common tax-related issues that experts face and how they can navigate these effectively? So essentially, it's, I mean, the, the advice for whether you're, move, you're staying in South Africa or you're moving, the advice is very similar. You want to get proper advice. There needs to be some form of not only investment planning, but also tax planning and estate planning uh, when you're in South Africa or once you've moved. And also during any of the transitionary periods of you might be in a different country, but you now might not have acquired assets there and haven't established full domicile yet. And so essentially the most common issues that we see is about how are you being taxed properly uh, from a from the new local tax regulations and how are you being taxed from a South African perspective? Because it's not as simple as getting on a plane and you start working in a new country and you no longer consider what's left behind and what what your tax status is in South Africa. Um, you need to know, is there a double taxation agreement in the new country where you're, where you're living? And have you followed the proper procedure relating to SARS, ensuring you're not being taxed on your worldwide income once you've moved? So... Just to explain the process at the moment, it's no, no longer referred to as financial immigration. It's That process has changed in March 2021. It's Financial immigration does has now essentially merged with other processes, and I will touch on that a little bit later. But essentially, you need to go through what's now referred to as the cessation of taxation process. It's where you are breaking tax residency with South Africa. You would essentially have to notify SARS of the change in your tax residency status and the process is initiated by um, you have to submit a specific form. It's called the Registration Amendments and Verification Form, RAV01, on e-filing and this form essentially coupled with quite, um, some information relevant to exit dates as well as uh, certain documents um, is then taken in consideration by SARS in determining your your tax uh, status if it's actually now no longer you're no longer seen as a South African tax resident. So the type of documents and information that you would have to provide to SARS in order to initiate this process is includes you know what type of visa you've actually acquired when you left the country or in the new country that you're going to. You need to be able to prove permanent residency in the new country. You need to give a tax a letter or some type of certificate from the new tax authority in the country where you've moved to and details of any assets that remain in South Africa and or if you have any business interests that still remain in South Africa they also SARS also wants details on your family members who remain and you know certain information on do you have any social interests that remain uh, do you have a gym contract that's still active um SARS wants to know the location of your personal belongings. Um, quite a lot of information in terms of really is the intent to establish domicile in a different country and no longer call South Africa home. So um, an individual who is a resident, you're resident by the virtue of a physical presence test. So if you cease to be a resident, um, would have to be outside of South Africa for a continuous 330 full days. And then that person will then be deemed to have ceased to be a resident from the day you leave the country. So getting an exit stamp when you leave, go through passport control is quite important. It is part of the proof of what you would submit to SARS to show 
the actual date that establishes the day you broke residence, tax residency. And so you have to go through the actual application process. But if you're in a country where there is a double taxation agreement in place, you will cease to be a tax resident for, for tax purposes in South Africa. You still have, it's not an automatic thing. You still have to apply and submit that specific form with all the other information. But if you're in a country where there's a DTA in place, your tax residency, it's easier to prove that you are no longer a tax resident. Also needs to be kept in mind here is there are consequences of breaking South African tax residency. And it can be quite a costly consequence um, because you are seen as, as if you've disposed of all of your assets on that date that you've broken tax residency and you go through a capital gains tax exercise in the sense on your worldwide assets, there will be a CGT calculation done on all assets, excluding the property, immovable property that remains in South Africa. And there could be a bit of a tax bill, an exit tax that's payable to SARS on that CGT calculation. It's probably one of the reasons why most people avoid notifying uh, SARS about tax residency because they don't want to go through this process. And so this is why SARS has recently changed the process when it comes to ex externalizing funds. And essentially the financial immigration portion with the application to externalize capital has been merged so that if you want to take money out of a country, either as a resident or a non-resident, the process is the same. You have to disclose base cost values of assets, uh, worldwide assets. And, in, and if you have actually left, if you're no longer a tax resident, that CGT event might come into play at that point if you're trying to externalize funds. So it's quite a minefield for, for people leaving the country, but the processes are have to be complied with. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. How does the picture change if you intend to come back to South Africa? So if you, obviously, if you come back, you can reestablish tax residency by notifying SARS again that you've, um, your tax residency can change again. You can reestablish it. Obviously, if you've gone through the whole capital gains tax process, you know, you kind of start over from zero. Those base costs will not essentially be adjusted, but it can change the picture of higher than taxed going forward. It's But you can reestablish it. I mean, SARS won't turn you away <laughs> if you want to pay tax in South Africa again. <laughs> Currency exchange can be a complicated aspect of financial planning for expats. What strategies or tools do you recommend for managing currency conversion and minimizing the associated costs? Right. So at some point, you know, most people exiting the country and moving to, to another country, they're going to have to exchange their rands into another form of hard currency. And as we saw last month with the rand exchange rate with the US dollar going as high as 19.72, um, there's no real foolproof strategy here when it comes to exchanging your rands into hard currency. You can either follow the process of just blindly accepting a trade rate and just and just pulling the trigger, as they say, or you can wait for a better rate, you know, or you can process the the trades in tranches, maybe a quarter of your capital at a time. But there's no guarantee that you're going to get the exchange rate that you were hoping for. The rand has just simply been too volatile to ever give someone advice to say they should wait for a specific 
uh, a specific rate um, because you could be wrong. Um, you could be really wrong or you could get lucky. So it's it's really in brain trusts, our in-house Forex team, we never, they never speculate on the RAND, but we... You know, we're experiencing at the moment that clients are happier. Obviously, the move, closer we move to the 18 to the dollar rate or even lower. And it's more about, you know, it really depends on how soon an individual who's immigrating needs access to capital. Uh, they might not be able to wait around and see what the RAND is doing before they go through with the trade. They might have to meet certain payment deadlines. There might be some financial obligations overseas that need to be settled right away. And then what the exchange rate is might be of no consequence, really. And Roseanne, how should experts approach investing or saving for retirement? All right. So, I mean, I think it really depends on the financial position of the, the person that's that's exiting SA. It's really about at the time of when they immigrate, could they afford to immigrate with the capital they had available? And or was it important or pertinent to save for a couple of years before they could actually leave. Um, so their financial circumstances might be very different once they actually leave the country, especially if they've gone through, if they're going through tax residencies, breaking tax residency, there's a CGT bill, all the costs that I've referred to earlier had to be paid. A retirement might be on the bottom of the list of important things to save for. I mean, also once someone's, let's say they start working in a different country, there might be other retirement pension rules relating to their salary. A, a larger percentage might have to be deducted or they might have to have their own private pension fund. And that needs to obviously be set up once they arrive. They might need a local financial advisor to then put some products in place for them. And also what a lot of exiting South Africans don't know about is that if you have existing retirement annuities or a pension fund, um, you have to wait a minimum of three years um, from the date that you leave the country and then prove that you've left over that time period before you can access any lump sums from your from your RAs. And obviously that is also then taxed on according to the specific tax tables. So you might not be able to depend on that amount of money for setup costs and maybe that will just because there's a delay in accessing the funds that might then be used for establishing a new uh, pension fund strategy or pension uh, retirement fund strategy and so it, it really depends on how financially devastating the move was and you know you can quite easily fresh start refocus and rebuilding savings and putting new products in place and make up for the lost time it took to save towards the actual move. Now, many experts still have financial ties to their home country, such as home loans or investments. How can they manage these effectively while living abroad? I think, it, you know, the world is, we've got quite a global, um, globalization happens all the time. Um, I think it happens quite easily. At Brain, here at Braintrust, we have successfully and continue to manage funds, set up bank accounts, offshore accounts for clients who have applied for tax clearance and having their capital immigrate before them, before they leave South Africa, or those who are in the planning stages of leaving South Africa. And you now, obviously, it will depend on the jurisdiction in which they are heading towards. And we look at options on you know, investment strategies or banking facilities that will play nicely with, these, uh, with the South African tax residency and their future tax residency. So knowing where the client is heading is quite important and it takes a bit of pre-planning and navigating 
the new approval of international transfer process that start combining essentially the application for a foreign allowance um, with financial immigration and then making sure that, you know, we put products in place that it might not matter where the investor actually is and there's quite a, a bit of more of a seamless move from transition from being in South Africa and in a different country. Health insurance is also another crucial consideration for expats. What should be considered when choosing health insurance in the new country and how can one ensure adequate coverage? I think once again, medical aid is a bit of a broad topic. You can't really, also, there's no one size fits all approach here. It's going to depend on where people are immigrating to. So if you look at countries like the UK, they have the NHS. Uh, in Canada, there's Medicare. And each of these well, free in in air quotes, uh, these systems have certain restrictions when it comes to new permanent residents that arrive that side. So if you take, for example, in Canada, it will depend on which province you are actually moving to. There might be waiting periods between three to six months and where you would require private health insurance that need to cover that that waiting period before you can access any of the free healthcare systems. And so it's possible that while you're still in SA, you can discuss that with your, your medical aid broker here to find out if your South African medical aid would be able to cover that time frame between being on a private insurance from South Africa versus going on to a, 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 some form of national health service. And, you know, with most countries with a national healthcare system, well, the ones that don't have a healthcare system, rather, um, you'd have to do a little bit of research in how to procure medical insurance you know, insurance that will apply as soon as you arrive on that side. Financial emergencies can occur anywhere. What are some of the practical steps experts can take to build an emergency fund? Well, I don't think the strategies are much different from living while you're in South Africa. There's, you know, good old budgeting, living within your means and focusing your savings for different financial goals. Um, because immigrating is a costly exercise, um, even if you have an employer that's sponsoring your visa application or your moving costs, they're going to be unknown expenditures. These are some examples that people usually only find out once they arrive there. That let's say you're putting down a deposit for a rental, uh, a rental home. Um, in most cases, some places will ask for up to three times the normal deposit simply because you can't prove residency in the country. So they see you as a complete stranger to the country, and they might put a um, that might put a little bit of financial strain on the normal setup where here in South Africa usually one month's deposit is is enough to secure a lease. And then there could be you know other related costs relating to transportation. Let's say to buy a new car or you need to buy a travel card for a rail system. You know, these are massive upfront costs. And let's say you're purchasing a home and you need a home loan. Uh, you in some countries you will start with a very low credit score because you have absolutely no credit history with any of the banks there. And that could Either you might not ha get a home loan approved at all, or you might not get any preferential rates simply because you have a, a low credit score. So I think, you know, savings and focusing on emergency funds will also take a bit of a back seat if you've got all of these massive upfront costs. So I think the, the savings really need to happen before you move and you need to have a good financial advisor that can walk, you know, that path with you and even continue that relationship once you've you've moved overseas and, you know, just ensure that you're meeting your savings goals and there's realistic plans put in place for even after you immigrate and to make that journey a little bit smoother. 
And let's say you are moving with an employment, uh, yeah, with an employer, you've secured employment. Um, you know, you can, with your new income, you can focus very much on saving the same way that um, you did before. And I guess at that point, the, the the massive costs of immigrating have already been settled and you can kind of start fresh. Roseanne, are there any specific considerations that experts should keep in mind when creating a will or setting up trusts? So I actually specialize in cross-border estate planning for our financial uh, clients. And, you know, estate administration and estate planning, when you bring in multiple jurisdictions, is usually it's overlooked and there can be simple mistakes made that could be catastrophic at the end of the day. So as an expert, if you still have assets in South Africa after you immigrate, then it's quite important that you have a South African will with a South African executor and you've ring-fenced those specific essay-based assets in that will. And then you have created a new remaining global asset will in the new country where you are based with a executor named that's localized in that country or whichever rules apply in terms of that jurisdiction. Um, you would need proper fiduciary services advice before you leave South Africa for that transition period of when you're keeping South African assets and when you acquire new assets abroad. So your requirement for advice will change. So also what I can add here in terms of overall estate planning is that offshore trusts can be a fantastic vehicle to keep assets um, if you don't want it in South Africa and you don't necessarily want it in the new jurisdiction either or you haven't necessarily settled on where, you, where you'll where you be for, for the long term, you can kind of control the narrative in terms of estate planning if you use a structure like an offshore trust. So, you're, I mean, you're going to go through a bit of a CGT uh, exercise. Uh, you, it's a good time to maybe investigate the costs of donating certain assets to an offshore entity and, you know, if you're going to go through the, the process, it might be a good time to do it all at once. And Brenthurst has its own Mauritian trust consulting firm called Brent Consulta. It provides adv- advice to clients on this exact, exact type of queries. And obviously, each individual financial needs the tax implication for the new jurisdiction. And all of the circumstances will determine whether this is the right route to follow. Just lastly, could you share any additional tips or advice for experts to help make the most of their international journey? Well, keep that answer quite short and sweet. You need to do your own research, you need to do some planning, and you need to get good professional advice. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode, Roseanne. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. That was Roseanne haystack Portkeeper, who is a Certified Financial Planner at Brentest Wealth. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Money Rules Podcast. To listen to more, go to moneyweb.co.za or the MoneyWeb app and follow MoneyWeb News for daily updates. Money Rules. MoneyWeb, your trusted source for business and investment insights.